3: and Susan's latest book, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at the Wise Woman University. Good
5: evening, Susan. How are you?
4: I am doing pretty well. Just had a great yoga class, and so I'm feeling very flexible and strong. That's always a good way to feel. Yes. And it's, <laughs> and it's snowing, snowing, snowing. So we're saying spring cannot be far behind, all this snow. <laughs>
5: yeah we're hoping for that too. It stops snowing here, but it's still cold here for here it's cold it's like in the low thirties, so Ooh. we're hoping we don't get any more snow, but it is in the forecast for this week, so we'll see uh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah. Those cold, those cold northern winds are still blowing
5: mhm yeah so and, I mean for here it gets it feels really cold when it's when it's this cold here because it's so like uh he, kind of like moist here you know so it holds that coldness yeah
4: yeah a great cartoon there was a knock on the door and the person went to open the door and a lion roared in and jumped on the couch and said hi I'm March (laughs) 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 Uh, that's the old saying right March comes in like a lion but goes out like a Mm. lamb.
5: hmm Mm hmm
4: Mm-hmm. Tonight, we are going to be talking with Shauna Holm, and finding out about the chapter that she contributed to the upcoming book, Psychedelic Mysteries of the Feminine. Wow. She is the author of Eshell Wisdom, Seven Teachings from the Mayan Sacred Feminine, and a whole bunch of other stuff, so... Hang in there. At nine o'clock, my time, whatever it will be your time, or an hour and a half from now, we will be talking to Shauna Home. I'm so thrilled. So important to have
5: the 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 feminine voice in there, the woman's voice in the psychedelic realms, because there's so many men's voice, it becomes overpowering at times. So I'm well, excited you know, to I
4: have a real I have a real problem with the word feminine. Because feminine is a cultural construct, and it changes from place to place and time to time, and it's pretty meaningless. Female Mm -hmm. is not a cultural construct, and it does not change. What is female is female. We can be fluid. We can be gender fluid all we want to, but you have either XX in every one of yourselves, meaning you're female, or you don't, meaning you're not female. It's as simple as that.
2: And mm-hmm. I know
4: a lot of females. Yeah. I know a lot of females who ain't very feminine. When I got on my Kevlar chaps and I'm running a chainsaw, I'm not real feminine, am I? But I sure am female. Yeah, I so hear I you. Personally, mm-hmm. I personally would never buy a book that said psychedelic mysteries of the feminine. I simply wouldn't be interested
5: because I don't. Yeah, care I wonder about if they things. took that into consideration when they when I wonder. when they when they named that book. I don't know if they were really thinking that deeply on it, maybe, because I don't think that that was their intention. I think that they, well, but maybe, thinking, I don't if know. If
4: they're not thinking deeply about the title, then how deeply are they thinking about the rest of it? Excuse me.
5: Okay. Whew. The title um, and the well, cover is
4: what carries your message out to the public first, right?
5: Right, yeah. So well, I'm going and to read the I book because I, I really I love Shona's work. Shona's work is... Maybe not a representation of the title of the book, though. So
0: she does do deep
5: work. Yeah. Exactly. And um, what else was I – I was going to bring up just a topic that I had a question about, if you don't mind, unless you wanted to talk about something else. Go go ahead. Go
2: ahead. First,
5: um, So I just noticed on a couple Uh of your past apprentices, like some of the information that they're sharing and stuff is about – Um, using, uh, infused oils, like made with plants that they infuse and using those like as mouth washes, like rinses, like doing like oil pulling with them and then also cooking with them. And I just, I never would think to use my infused oils internally like that. And, um, because they have so many followers and stuff, I'm like, is that something that we, that should be like promoted and. And because I feel like it's kind of dangerous, like because all the bacteria well, and molds and. Um, first of
4: all, I don't think that oil pulling has any real veracity. Mm-hmm. In other words, I do not think it's a technique that's really useful, so I wouldn't waste my oil in doing that. I have, on occasion, used and infused oil in a salad dressing because I didn't have access to any other oil. And I make sure that it's an edible
2: plant, right?
5: Mm Mm-hmm. I just feel like the oils are, like, the first that kind of goes, like, rancid and stuff and, like, that they have, like, so many of those, like, you know, like, you never know, like, especially, like, the Comfort, say, like, those ones are, like, really hard to keep, you know, shelf stable. So... There's, like, a lot of molds and stuff that grow in them.
4: Especially if you're using fresh plants. Fresh yeah, because they're now, made what, with... It. Yeah, when I'm using it externally, I view those molds with a kind of blind eye. Like, if I open my jar of hypericum oil and there's a mold growing across the top of it, I take it off and throw it in the compost and use the oil. Mhm. But I'm not using that oil on broken skin. I'm using it on intact skin. Right. So it has never seemed to be a problem. There are certainly situations, it's not common, but there are a few situations in which someone has gotten into big trouble from using an ointment with beeswax because the beeswax forms an unbreathable layer on the skin. Hmm. So if somebody has, say, an unknown fungal infection and they put a thick layer of ointment with beeswax on it, that fungus is going to thrive under there.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Again,
4: these these are the exceptions, not the rules. And you can go to a supermarket and you can buy rosemary oil and you can buy... Thyme oil, and you can buy
0: garlic oil,
4: and those are the mm-hmm. kinds of things that I would think rather than the comfort of the plantain. I would use herbs that are naturally antiseptic,
5: right? That have those volatile oils, exactly. Mm-hmm.
4: And and then they will because they will add a nice flavor to the food, and then you won't have those concerns. I agree with you. I'm, Whose plantain oil does not get molds on the top of it? Nobody that I know of.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Plantain oil is notorious. Many people will put their comfrey leaf in oil, wait three weeks, and then pour that oil on fresh comfrey leaf to try to cut down on mold.
6: Yeah.
4: Yeah, because that's what I do green- too. Right. The green leafy ones certainly are prone to molding
5: and much worse if you put
4: it in the sun mm-hmm. because it's going to draw more yeah and appetite. like
5: keeping the oils warm for long periods of time like i saw somebody was like keeping them in the dehydrator and so that would just be like i feel like you know for keeping them in there for weeks on end like comfrey in a warm dehydrator um yeah, and then putting it in your mouth, and I mean, I don't know, to each their own. But I just I was like, oh my God, like that's like a really oh, bad idea. But
4: but on the other hand, and then having ninety like percent of the stuff, lots of other, other people do it. I wouldn't put in my mouth, and probably you wouldn't either, right?
5: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we got to
4: admit that lots of people eat lots of stuff that we wouldn't eat.
5: Mhm. It's true.
4: And they'll just have to figure their way through it. So I don't think Mm -hmm. that it's wrong, but I think you have a very good point that it could be for some people mildly dangerous.
2: Mm -hmm.
4: I have a couple of students who've had organ transplants. I certainly wouldn't want to see them putting infused oils on their food. Mhm. They're taking drugs to make sure their immune system doesn't work well. Right. So, n- not a place for risky behavior.
1: Mm-hmm. But we
4: all have to we all have to decide um, when the best time to take risks is. Some people are risk adverse. Some people enjoy risky behavior. Most of us fall somewhere in between there. We take risks. At certain times, I'm reading an article now about decision-making and the kinds of decisions that we make where we actually don't really have all the information up front. So let's say you have decided to become a parent. You don't have all the information up front of what that's going to be like, do you?
5: No. <laughs> and once you've yeah. made that
4: decision and had that kid, it's pretty irrevocable. You can't say, Oh, mm-hmm. this is too hard, I don't want to do this. So we are always yeah. taking some. And that's okay.
5: Yeah. I guess just navigating through it and learning through it is is the important part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: I think compared, you know, to the risks that are out there, that this is a pretty small
5: one. Okay. And that perhaps... I was curious...
4: I don't know, but perhaps their influence is not quite as large as you think it
2: is.
5: Mm-hmm.
6: Okay. Always hard
7: to, well, always I was...
4: Hard to, always have, I always ask um, neck and Rose Herbs if they thought that my teaching people about infusions had changed the way they sold herbs. They said, Absolutely because they used to sell herbs by the ounce and now they sell them by the pound so those are the kind of interesting changes that I'm looking to make in people to get herbs into our daily life rather than having them be off on the
5: side right, yeah yeah, and our guest tonight, I actually stayed at her place, and I got to, she had she had your book, a couple of your books, but then when I came there, I brought some infusion herbs, and now she's, she's making them, too, so. Hooray <laughs> right. right for you. To, Thanks, Rebecca. Got to share our medicine ways with each other. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, yeah, okay. people, people that catch that on that pretty quickly with infusion.
4: Not that it enriches me financially in any way at all for people to drink infusion, but it enriches my life, because I think healthier people are happier people, and I want a happier world.
5: Yes, I agree.
4: In fact, at one of the ceremonies that I did with my mentor, Jean Houston, I had to make a commitment, and the commitment that I made was to do as much as I could in my life to raise everybody's endorphin levels. <laughs>
2: uh,
5: yeah. And, there, have any people with- and I read, and I was just reading. You know, I've heard of this before. Is that the serotonin? Most of it's made in your gut, actually. Mm-hmm. And just uh, mm-hmm. thinking about how influential the the infusions are on your microbiome, and um, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah.
4: <laughs> deep,
5: deep nourishment.
4: Deep, deep nourishment. Anybody with mm-hmm. any problems
5: this week? Yeah, it looks like we have some people with some questions. If you have a question for okay. Susan, make sure to press 1 to speak with her. And our first caller is coming from the 603 area code. Hi, Susan.
7: I didn't know if when I opened my mouth if any words come out. I've been very surprised. Oh, I'm so glad
2: they have. Right.
7: Really, uh, I'm so... I'm so glad I'm able to speak here, whispering. I've had, um, I've been very sick for nine days, with what I guess was a very bad virus that manifested itself with um, a very sudden onset of a severe sore throat, and and then loss of the with the laryngitis, the loss of the voice. And a dry cough for only two days, then it Mm -hmm. progressed. Then it progressed to a juicy, loose cough every single night, all night, every night, um, up through last night. I'm hoping tonight will be different after I speak to you, because you're gonna hopefully you'll give me some good tips. Um, But I did notice that um, there there was a, a slight changed today but I am so run down from all the coughing I mean my it's like my my ribs hurt you know my neck my neck has severe pain all down my spine I mean my jaw you know from the hard hard coughing all night every night so that's why I'm calling and like I said I'm I'm happy that I mean this is uh, just an hour ago, when I tried to speak and tried to speak, you know, no, nothing came out. So I'm so glad that something is coming out now, so I can talk to you.
4: So right now, I'm looking can you for. Can you tell me what has not worked?
7: Well, uh, I got to tell you uh, what what has not worked. Well, I think what I have used. Has worked. It's just that I didn't have much of an arsenal, and I want to build an arsenal in the future. And the reason why I didn't have much of an arsenal, I really have not had a cold, a virus cold, or a flu since I was a kid. Like all these flus and viruses that everybody at my church, all my, you know, my grandkids, my kids, they all come down with stuff. I would go take care of them, and I wouldn't get it. But I do have a chronic severe uh back pain, you know due to scoliosis, but th- so i all I had in my arsenal is all my homey, my old homeopathic remedies that I brought up my kids with um i'm I'm now a grandmother you know to their kids. That's all I really had um let's see I had thank God I had some elderberry syrup. Um, um, the first day that um, I managed to get to the store and just find a, um, a couple of um, things that were herbal at one of the big chain store, I was greatly um, relieved to see that they had something. So I've really been, uh, oh, I've had chills all the time. So of course, I asked my um, my husband to, if he could get me some fresh ginger, he did. So I, I was taking, um, I started, but not until only a couple of days ago, because um, we, we, we didn't have any transportation. Anyway, um, I finally started taking the ginger when I had it, the fresh ginger root, grating it, and um, putting that in the hot water and cooking it for about, simmering it for about, 10, fifteen minutes and drinking that all day yesterday and today, and that's when I started to notice a difference um let's see what else like I mean because the chills I finally felt a little bit warm now the chills have returned, so i'm going to have to make another batch of that ginger um what i'll call what I will call ginger tea um, i also let's see what else did I try um I just was feeling so badly, so suddenly, you know, that um, I just grabbed what I had, which wasn't much. Let's see, I also happened to have some ginger syrup, and I would just constantly drink stuff. Like at first, oh, and I was, I, despite my chills, I want, I was craving like cold, natural Frozen fruit, like in a popsicle, I went through four of those over over the um last few days since my husband was able to get me something. I was just craving them i I wanted something like a berry uh popsicle. Uh, let's see. I had some frozen blueberries, so I've been pushing the frozen blueberries. let's see what else did I do um I was eating well, you know lot um protein. But um, because I was so exhausted, I knew my digestion wasn't good. So I did have on hand a digestive tincture of some sort. So I did utilize that. Now, all these things um, were kind of old, and I was shocked when I looked at the bottle, I and said, I said, oh, heck, I'm not going to bother um, looking at the expiration date because some of them were so old. I said, this is all I've got. You're going to work for me if anything's going to work. So. Anyway, so what I did use didn't hurt me, um, but it was it's just been so difficult uh, like I said, I really didn't notice a change until today, uh, and finally, I feel like I made progress so when I wasn't making progress, I would switch from one homeopathic to another, and I really didn't have a good selection of homeopathics. I remember you know there Um, When I was treating my kids, you know, I I had a lot of them, but through the years they got used up, and because I never got sick and my kids were gone and my kids uh, pretty much used them up, um, like I didn't have one. Like I still don't have one for chills. I I, I know there was one for chills. Um, um, Let me see what else I've been doing. I, I I didn't even have the energy to write anything down, so I'm just doing this from memory. The things like That's that I, fine.
4: Oh. That's not a problem. What I would like to say is, first of all, body's ability to get sick is one of the first signs of health that I look for. So basically what you're telling me is that you have been unhealthy for a long time. I believe so. Because your body I has, not, so. yes, your body has so. not been able to get sick.
7: Yes, I believe so. When we
4: don't get a cold or a flu within a three-year span, look for what's going on because it's normal to get a cold or a flu. You don't have to suffer with it. It doesn't have to be forever. But, you know, a little bit of a cold or a little bit of a flu, it's kind of along the lines of we find that people who have allergies, especially pollen allergies, are a lot less likely to get cancer because their immune system is being (coughs) activated more Uh Due to the the allergies, right? So the idea that perfect health means nothing changes is, to my mind, um, one of the worst things that the scientific tradition has tried to tell us, that we should be like machines. We're not like machines. So hooray that you got sick. The The second thing is that you can go to YouTube. You may know that I have hundreds of YouTubes. And one of the very first YouTubes that I made was a YouTube about hot colds and cold colds and how they differ and how they can switch back and forth and how we can work with that to become healthier. The third thing I would say is that Samuel Hahnemann, the father of homeopathy, is grinding his teeth and doing a jig in his grave about what you're doing with the homeopathic remedies. As far as Hahnemann was concerned, to use a homeopathic remedy, you take a thorough analysis of the person, which should, the usual intake is to the one remedy, which is taken once for that person.
7: Right, that's true. That's what I did with my kids. I would, yeah. So I, exactly. It's kind of
4: shotgun approach. I'll take a little of that. It's like, oi. Right? Oh, it's no. Quiet.
7: I would take, I would take, one, I'm sorry, I didn't explain myself thoroughly. I would take one and wait. And when not, that one did not did nothing, then I would choose another one because, you know, I, I tried Hanuman, to find the Hanuman one.
4: Hanuman believed, Hanuman believed that he permanently ruined his wife's health by giving her the wrong remedy. I don't know if it's true or not that he did, but that's what he believed. He does, what? Not believe, he does not think that you should just mess around with homeopathic remedies and try them to see if they'll work.
7: Right, right. Now,
4: grant, granted that homeopathy is pure mind medicine. There is no atom of any herb in any of those homeopathic remedies. So if we're going to use mind medicine and we don't want to go into this whole homeopathic thing, which is a wonderful thing to go into, uh, then what what I suggest to people is put the homeopathy aside and choose another way to engage your mind. Because that's what mind medicine is. Mind medicine is I'm going to engage my mind to envision and perceive the state that I would like to be in. And then, let's talk about some herbs. I personally would never call my herbal remedies an arsenal, but maybe that's just because I'm a pacifist. So I don't see herbs as guns or bullets or any kind of weapon at all. I see them as allies. I see the herbs that I use as green allies. We're working together toward a common end. I was very moved, Elizabeth kubler Ross. Told this once about a, a man that, that she was working with who had cancer and um, she said to him, you must imagine your body destroying the cancer and he said, I'm sorry, I'm a Quaker, I am, I'm a pacifist, we simply do not destroy anything and Elizabeth said she looked at him and said, well then figure it out and when she came back <laughs> the next week he said, my immune system is lovingly carrying the cancer away <laughs> not an arsenal it's a group of friends that you have on hand yeah so i think yeah. it's a great idea i really support yeah. you uh, you know this year look around you can you make some elderberry things yourself can you make some mullen things yourself what kinds of things are good for the lungs right we know that mullen is one of the world's great herbs for the lungs and it can be taken in so many different ways. The dried mullen can be made as an infusion one ounce of dried mullen and one quart of boiling water. For the lung tissue, mullen milk is far preferable to plain infusion because milk is the great healer of the lungs. So I mix my mullen infusion half and half with milk, warm it up, and then Sweeten it a little bit if you want to, a little pinch of cinnamon. And that is so restorative to the lungs. I often tell the story about being at a concert and the woman behind me coughed the entire concert. Now it wasn't, you know, big, racking coughs, but it was more like. <coughs> 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 right? Right, just, mm. just enough time in between to get really annoying. And so at the end of the concert, I turned around to her and I said, come home to me. Because we weren't out in public. We were at a conference. So she came back with me to my place and I gave her some mullen tincture. And I said, get some water, put a dropper full of this mullen tincture in the water and drink it now. And then she went to give the tincture back to me. And I said, no, take it back to your place. Take another dropper full before you go to sleep. And if you need to, take it in the morning. She came and returned it to me in the morning. She said, I didn't need one this morning. My cough is gone. Wow. So that's mullein leaf tincture. It's very easily made from mullein leaves. Um, Linda Runyon would talk about her child having a horrible lung congestion and cough and that she was living in the Adirondacks and that she went out and poured boiling water where she knew mullein was growing so that she could melt the snow and get down to the mullein leaves to use them for her child. Hmm. Because mullein leaves are there year-round. And mullein grows from north to south and east to west. It's a very common plant in North America. One of my favorite herbs to help the lungs is Ellicampane,
7: mm. inula,
4: inula Ellicampane. And it does. It looks just like a sunflower in the sunflower family. And it's a, a Plant of kind of wet, uh, rich pastures. And the reason that it survives in wet, rich, rich pastures is because grazing animals won't eat it. It tastes, mm, it tastes kind of like mothball smell. So I'm sure it's not a very attractive, you know, munch for horses or cows. So you can see, you know, a kind of muddy, trampled pasture with not much growing, but there's the a la campaign. It's a perennial plant, and the root of the elecampane is made into a tincture. And I find that so useful for helping to clear persistent problems in the lungs. Because problems with breathing and problems in the lungs are so common throughout the world, of course there are hundreds of herbs that are used to help the lungs, including some that should be in your spice cupboard, like thyme and rosemary. And a simple tea with a spoonful of honey, of thyme or rosemary goes a long way to quelling a cough. So I hear you say you didn't have any herbs, but I beg to differ. I think you do have some herbs.
7: Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I I I did utilize them. I the only thing I could eat because I was so exhausted was soups, and I put um my you know to the, um you're right. I didn't I didn't uh, I didn't. I'm not thinking correctly. I slept so little in the last nine days, but um I understand. I, did, I completely I, understand. I did use. I, I did put those things in my soup. That's and, good. Um, and I continued with your infusions that you recommend. I, That's you know, wonderful. I continued continue drinking those, but just, um, uh-huh. you know, lots of herbs well, and, I, and even spices. I, I also
4: think, and it's just my thought, I really don't know. You may know better than I. It's certainly true. It's your body. But I think this is a bacterial infection, not a viral infection.
7: I wondered about that. Can you explain more about that? Viral infections tend to run their course.
4: Bacterial infections tend to linger. Yes. Okay. So, so some antibacterial, like echinacea, could be very useful. Could you explain more how you would use, utilize that in my situation? Yes. And, again, you can find a YouTube that shows me making Echinacea tincture from the dried root that you can buy. And once you've made your Echinacea tincture, it's available for you to take anytime there's a bacterial infection. The dosage that I find useful is one drop for every two pounds of body weight. So if you weigh 100 pounds, that's 50 drops or two dropperfuls. And you can rack that up if you weigh more or bring it down if you weigh less. And when there's strong signs of infection, I might use that every hour or two as those signs of infection abate, and I would drop back to every three or four hours, and eventually I would get to every eight hours, and that would be three doses a day. And at that point, you can kind of see where you're at, and if you need to do it any more or any less, Um, kind of one of the shocking things that has happened in modern medicine is the understanding that taking antibiotics, um, which are not antiviral, or antibacterial, for a full course is what has bred antibiotic-resistant organisms. And that the best thing to do is that once we have cleared the infection, stop taking the anti-infective agent, whether it's an antibiotic or echinacea.
1: Oh.
7: Okay.
4: So I hope that gives you a few things that you can do. And I appreciate your call and I'm gonna say green blessings and good
7: night. Thank you. Um I will call you and let you know how it goes because I still don't have I'm not rid of this yet, although I you know it did make a little improvement. Thank you.
4: Green blessings. Good night.
5: Our next caller is coming from the 919 area code. Hello?
4: Hi.
0: Hi, Susan.
1: I'm going to be quiet because I have my sleeping children here with me, but I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you. Um. The last caller, it was all really useful information for me. My um, almost three-year-old has a croupy cough for probably like the fifth or sixth time in his life. And um, a couple of times when he was a little baby, we took him to the hospital just because I really didn't know what was going on. Exactly. Yeah, and now I know, but it still still freaks me out every time it has happened. So... um, it's so, it's so my, awful to see
4: your child being sick. It's really the worst it is. thing.
1: It's the worst, and it's, it's also just like, I don't know, it's very, lots of emotions. <laughs> but, yes. um, but my just a quick question about that. I You know, I'm familiar with a lot of um, your remedies for coughs and lung issues. Um, I have used up all my dried mullein that I made this year, and um, so I'm going to maybe go get some mullein tincture, but because this is, like, a trend for him, would you recommend that, like, if he starts to get a cough or a cold, that I, like, immediately start with something like Mullen tincture or elecampane tincture? Um, well, there's, like a the- between,
4: there's a big difference between Mullen and elecampane.
1: Oh. Right, right.
4: Right. So, certainly, using Mullen is something that we can do – at the, at the start of anything, or even just to preserve good health.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: I don't take elecampane unless so I think I really need it. Okay. Right. I think of it as um, stronger in its action, and mm-hmm. it's not very tasty. Right. Right. Whereas the mullein can be made extremely tasty.
1: Yeah, I was making the infusions out of it, and it's delicious. Isn't it?
4: You know, yeah, there are wonderful, this. there are wonderful places that sell dried herbs in the United States by mail.
1: Yeah, I should do that. And you can order
4: and have it within a week.
1: Okay, I'm gonna do that. Yeah, I didn't think. I don't know why. It's always when they get sick that you're like, God, why don't I have that?
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have a certain, you know stock of herbs that I like to keep on hand for infusion, and I you know look oh. every so often and see what I need to to get more of so that I don't run out and I think that is important, and it's a it's a place that I have um so happily seen people come to you know that they get interested in herbal medicine, and then, like the caller before oh. you, they're like, Oh, I want to use the herbs, but I don't have any and then by the next year they have some. And then by the year after that, they're like, oh, yes, whatever's going on. I got the remedy for it. I've made them.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: At my classes at the Wise Woman Center, <laughs> every season, I pass out a little herbalist to-do list. <laughs> Here's what you can do this month. You can use these herbs to make tinctures. You can use these herbs to drive for infusions. You can da 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 and some of my students said that it's taken them two or three years to complete everything on those lists. But once they have, they said it's almost like the party's over, like, oh, my gosh, now I don't need to make anything anymore.
1: Right. I'm getting so there that, with all my tinctures.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so, um,
1: but, yeah, the driver. Of, of
4: course, that's not really true. You know, we always need a little more of this or a little more of that. Right. That, you know, all right. The other thing is um, that breathing is a way to express ourselves into the world, right? Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm.
4: We take something that's in us and we put it out. And when that function is interfered with, especially in a child, then I find it worthwhile to ask myself or to ask the child, is there anything going on in your life that is interfering with you bringing your voice out?
7: Mm-hmm.
4: You didn't say how old the child was, but sometimes things like this happen at school, Right.
1: Right. He's little. He's, like, not quite three.
4: Right. So, you know, even a child in kindergarten may be told you're too loud.
1: Well, the only thing I can think about is that we're all so loud that he, and he's slow to talk. So it's uh-huh. hard for him to, to you know, like nobody can wait long enough for him to get a story out because uh-huh. it takes him so
4: long. Uh-huh. Yeah. So when something is chronic as you say, you know, when it's like his thing that's happening over and over again, that's when I start to ask these questions. Okay. Because it's not just a one-off thing, right?
1: Right, right.
4: This is a real, you know, opportunity to say, what are you trying to tell me? Mhm. In what way can I help you be more comfortable in the world?
7: That's one of the things
4: that we can do as parents, right? Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
4: So sometimes when there's any kind of disturbing to the breathing function, sometimes one thing that helps is singing. Okay. And maybe not right at the time when he's having the problem, but in between times. Mm Mm-hmm. To have that... Sense of using the breath. All of my breath teachers have, every single one of them told me that there's never a problem with inhale. The problem is always with the exhale. Hmm. No matter what it looks like, the problem is always that the exhale is insufficient. And singing is exhale, exhale, exhale,
1: isn't it? Okay. I will try anyway, that tomorrow. <laughs> yeah,
4: and um, I want to say I want to say again because I think it's really important. And I've been there too, you know, where I'm in somebody else's house, I'm traveling, I don't have any herbs with me, and something comes up, and I need to remind myself sometimes they have herbs in this house, Susan. They may not have nettle or comfy, but believe mm-hmm. me, they have herbs in this house. Ask them where their herb cupboard is. They have rosemary. Yeah. They have thyme. You know, there's a lot yeah. of herbs, cinnamon, that most people already have on hand.
1: Yeah, I've been. To, I've done elderberry, and I've done. Um, I have a sage honey that I did this afternoon. So yeah, did sage you? honey in like warm milk, and then. Um, so good. And he so likes great. it, but he like just. He likes it. He's just not big into anything. Like, he's never been one to, like, guzzle anything. Yeah, like, I just keep... Yeah, I get little bits into him, but not a lot. And uh-huh. then I've been doing an onion poultice. Um, nice. And that has helped in the past, but I'm not. I'm feeling like it's not helping so much this time. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. so yeah, I'm going to keep... I can keep using that over... Do you feel like I need to make a new onion, or can I keep using no, the I same... Know.
4: Okay, right. good. Fine. That's we're what not, I'm going to do. Yeah. We're not putting it on some septic wound or something like that.
1: Right. Okay. Right. Great. So I th- I think helpful. And also, kind of you
4: know, helpful. at at age 3, our children are taking the first big steps away.
1: Right. Oh yeah, that's definitely part of it is that he stopped he stopped nursing like a month ago and Exactly. Yeah.
4: Exactly. So part of this is a little tricky for you in that you want to take care of him, but on the other hand, you want to support his growing understanding that he takes care of himself.
1: Right, totally, yeah.
4: So one of the things that I did with, with Justine was I said, oh, well, this is going on. We could do this, this, or this. Which would you like to try? hmm So that it became her choice, not mine.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And then to the extent that I could, um, I also got her in on the preparation of it so that it was really hers. Yeah. And she felt some proprietary ownership of it, that it wasn't just something mom was saying, but that she had chosen it and she had made it and now she was going to heal herself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll do I mean yeah. My boys they yes. do it they do it with me some but I can definitely do better before they actually get really sick, but yes, definitely. Yes. Before they get sick
4: I think especially in this case, since this is the youngest one. Yeah. That this becomes an even more critical issue for him.
1: Yeah, okay. That's a good idea. And he likes making stuff with me, so he's kind of like when he's feeling well, he's into it, so. Yeah. Okay. Um, right, and, and, and
7: I'm,
4: not saying, I'm not saying he has to make the sage honey. I'm saying that he can take right. the spoon in the sage honey, take it out and put it in the cup, and you can pour the boiling gotcha. water in it. Yeah, right.
1: yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. and then he's made his sage tea. Okay, yeah, we'll do okay.
1: it. All
4: right. Yeah, do you have time for one more question? Rebecca, do I have time for one more question?
5: Yeah, we have um a few people with questions but I if you make it quick, I'm sure it's okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Go ahead. Just, um, uh,
1: somebody a a nurse looked looked at my neck the other day and said I had a goiter <laughs> and um I don't eat iodized salt and I just wanted to see if you saw it by eating some sheets of like nori seaweed um every day. That's what I have in my house. that Will maybe take care of it. This might be very complex, but you can maybe give me like a little place to start with. Um, I'm unsure. Okay.
4: First of all, a goiter, although it's disfiguring, um, is not really consequential. <laughs> Okay. I, was pretty, I was pretty shocked when I studied in Switzerland at how many people in Switzerland had goiters. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, there's, let's face it, not a lot of seafood in the Alps. Mm. And so I asked about that, and they said, oh, yeah, well, it's rich, common. We don't even treat it. We don't even think about it. And then I'm also kind of half-remembering a story that Ryan Drum was telling us about this village in Japan where the women ate so much seaweed that they got goiters. (laughs) So it seems like it can go either way. Yeah. Um, The amount of iodine in the nori, of course, is far, far less than the amount of iodine in the kelp. Okay. A few years ago, I said to Ryan, I said, okay, Ryan, you know, nori is like coming on strong and it's in all the supermarkets now and you can buy all these little nori sheets. It still counts? Is it seaweed? He says, yes, yes, yes. It still counts. I said, but it's flat and it's been processed. He says, it's minimally processed. It's just, you know, ground up and then put on like drying racks like paper would be dried and then peeled off those racks. Obviously, a seaweed does not grow flat in the ocean, right? So, of all the seaweeds we can buy, Nori is the most processed.
1: Uh huh.
4: And has the least iodine. So, it's the least helpful, but uh, but Ryan said it counts. And I'm happy to see <sighs> it counts. I'm happy to see people eating it. I got nothing against it. But get yourself some kombu. Get yourself some wakame. Okay. And either read about thyroid in new menopausal years the wise woman way or Mm -hmm. go back let's see golly gee ryan drum and i did a teleseminar on seaweed and thyroid golly i think it was two years ago now i'm not sure if it's still available okay but hopefully it is because it was a really dynamite teleseminar well not so much dynamite It was fabulous let me put it that way it was so much good information in that um that particular teleseminar, and I really picked his brain for my section on thyroid in new menopausal years, the wise woman way, and and some of them say, oh, well, I'm still in my childbearing years. I'm like, yeah, well, you know what? You're going to hit menopause, so it's okay. You could go ahead and get the book now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, subtitle
4: for that book is for women 30 to 90.
1: Yes, I love that book.
4: Great. So that should give you... Um, some more info on um what's going on and if seaweed can help you and again, the seaweed that Ryan uses to help the thyroid isn't is a special kind of seaweed called sucus okay, and you know, as I'm saying, oh well, the kelp is so much so much more what we need than the nori, and the sucus is like so much more even than the kelp
1: where do you get where do you buy yours?
4: Well, Larch Hansen, Maine Seaweed, I believe is his brand name, sells fabulous seaweed.
2: Okay.
4: Ryan Drum himself, I think, still sells kelp and fucus.
7: Okay.
4: And, of course, having done this, For so long, I also have friends who harvest and send me part of their harvest. Thank you, thank you, thank you. (laughs) As a matter of fact, recently I got a bag that said (laughs) nori for Susan, and it was all, you know, like the real nori out of the ocean, all crumpled up, and oh, it's just so beautiful.
1: Mm. Awesome. I will look into those then and start trying to add that to my um, diet.
4: Right, and if you're really concerned, there's nothing wrong with
1: iodized salt. Say that again.
4: There's nothing wrong with iodized salt if you're really concerned. sure.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. It's just like a habit of I've gotten into not not buying it. You know, but I understand. yeah, yeah. But seaweed has so many other benefits. So I'm going
5: to go that route and then maybe. (laughs) Yes. Great. Thank you so much. Yeah, I also have a a goiter on my thyroid that I've had since I was a teenager. And um, it hasn't gotten any bigger. And I've also done some um, FUCUS, the bladder rack infusions in the past. And um, when I was having high... TSH levels when I was pregnant and stuff, and it was really helpful. So, um, yeah. yeah. But it's not a goiter
4: on. A goiter means a swelling of the thyroid.
1: Okay, and my mom has one too, so I think it might also just run in our family. Yeah.
4: As I said, to them it was a non issue. Yeah. They didn't really even understand at first what I was talking about.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, that's our quick question, and now I will say green blessings and good night, people. Thank you so much, Susan and Rebecca. Have a great night. Thank you.
5: You too. Good night. All right, our next caller is coming from the 646 area code. Hello?
2: Hello? Hi Susan,
8: Sasha. I am we spoke actually over the weekend because I applied for the Goddess Green Goddess course. Uh-huh. I'm just following because I have a question. Um something changed in my life and I have a question for you and I just want to say thank you so much for everything before I ask my question. I'm just so grateful, you know, for all your teachings and for all this you do and, and my question is So uh, I'm not sure 100%, but uh, the test that I took, it shows that I'm pregnant. So, um, and I want to make sure that, you know, I do everything right and uh, try my best to keep the baby. I know when we spoke last time, you know, I'm 36, and I know there are chances of miscarriages in, you know, the first three months. So um, I've been drinking the nourishing infusions, which I think actually helped me to get pregnant. I've been trying for two for so two and a half years until I started. And then recently, about a year and a half, no, half a year ago, I met you, like, last summer. I went to your workshop, I found your book, and I started drinking them. And they're clover, and I think they really had a big part in my husband. I make him drink it and start using Australagus and all these suggestions, and I'm just so grateful. Thank you. So my question you my so is, welcome. Um, thank you. And my question is about comfrey. Uh, is that okay? Is it, I mean, I've been drinking it as usual. But now since I just found out is it okay for me to keep going with Comfrey Leaf as you know, usual but part of the five well, infusions. Let, let, me, and-
4: let me put it this way, Sasha. I have one child, a daughter.
2: Mhm.
4: My one child has one child. Right. My granddaughter. When she was pregnant with my granddaughter, with my blessing, she drank a lot of Comfrey Leaf Infusion because she was quite a bit older than you. Mm, okay. And comfrey makes the tissues strong and flexible, and that's exactly what we want when we're given birth—the strong and flexible tissues. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, so to, do you think if I had a um, moment's hesitation, that that's a place where it would have showed up?
2: <laughs>
4: Definitely. As a mother, I
8: can only imagine all the instincts kick in. Of course, you would you would never recommend. Not
4: only that, she continued to drink lavish amounts of comfrey after Monica Jean was born, and when she was nursing Monica Jean, she continued to drink comfrey, and Monica Jean started drinking comfrey. As a matter Mm -hmm. of fact, you know what? Our ideal is from breast to infusion. (laughs)
8: <laughs> yes, yes, I agree with that. I feel like this is yeah, the, the, really the first
4: the first fluid that baby gets for this in breast milk is infusion and they love it. With the metal any of them? They like them all and they will often ask for them by name.
8: Wow. It's amazing. Yeah. Wow. They yeah. intuitively know what's good for their bodies. And it of does nourish you to do. drink them. Yeah. Hmm? Yes. So that's, okay, what I, so that's
4: That's what I would say is treat yourself very well. If you're treating yourself well, then you're treating your baby well.
8: That's true. Yes. I'll do that. And then um, raspberry leaf I can drink as as of like now. It's it's only been like a month and one day basically since I'm conceived. I guess that would count because they count since your last period. And I just
4: found out. Okay. Are you are, you are you involving yourself in the medical profession at all with this? Um, yes. I'm going to go to the all doctor right. and My go blog. Very, blood very blood. important advice here. Mm-hmm. Very, very important advice. You must buy yourself two weeks right now. If your last period was a month ago and a doctor asks you, your last period was two weeks ago.
2: Hmm.
4: Because many states have very severe laws about how long you can be pregnant. As a matter of fact, the modern move is to induce labor a week early. Oh, why? In many places, even if you're working with a midwife, will not let you go more than five or six days over your due date. So buy yourself that two weeks right now by lying. But isn't it, Can I make that, like, if I don't
8: want to go like in the labor, they cannot induce it without me saying yes or no, right?
4: Your baby's going to die. We have to do this. What are you going to say?
8: That will be a lot of pressure.
4: There's a lot of pressure there at the end to do what they want you to do if you involve yourself in the medical establishment. Buy yourself two weeks right now. Give yourself Besides? that two weeks. Because at the end you'll want it. Okay. okay.
8: Thank you for that.
4: And you one more welcome. question. For folic
8: acid, right? I know the nu- the nourishing infusions they have what everything a, in a lot what of. A, news. What is a folia? Fo-
4: Foli?
8: What is it called? The D nine vitamin. What, is a, what is a
4: folia? I'm asking you what a folia. Oh, is. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Folia is leaf. Like in foliage. Sol- oh, like Folic leaf,
8: right.
4: Every leaf contains folate, which is the naturally occurring form. Folic acid does not occur in nature, it's a synthetic. As long as I, I don't need to so take as long as you're drinking nourishing herbal infusions, prenatal vitamins are only a big problem.
8: That's what I was thinking. I just want to confirm with you. I'm not going to, I'm going to just use my intuitions because I think they got me here after two and a half years of trying and not happening. I feel like they had a big role and I trust them and they feel good and my
4: husband as well. So just going to keep going with them. Exactly. You're eating a good diet. You know, certainly we understand that public health is geared toward the lowest common denominator. Public health is geared toward the woman who's pregnant, and whose diet, let's face it, is refined carbohydrates,
7: soda pop. Yeah. No, and I don't who, do that.
4: And who, if she ever has anything green at all, it's a piece of lettuce on her hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. But that's, that's not... so is you know, unfortunate. Yeah. I,
2: I want to take care of that
4: woman. I'm not saying that that woman shouldn't be taken care of. To me, it was very interesting because there was a huge debate about whether or not food should be fortified with folic acid because it is well known that folic acid-fortified foods increase colon cancer risk in older adults.
0: Oh, I
8: didn't know that. But a lot of cereals and bread. And so what happened
4: with the debate was basically we decided that children are more important than elders.
8: Oh, but there's other ways. Why can we? And then if we, then if we killed
4: elders by by putting folic acid in food, well, that was okay because we would saved children.
8: That's horrible.
4: Well, again, it's one of those public health trade offs. And I often say to people, "There's public health and there's your health, and you have to understand where you differ from the general public." Mhm. I agree with you. And if you differ from the general public in that your diet is better and it has more greens and it has nourishing herbal infusions, then public health advice is not for you.
8: Yes, yes. Now I'm very aware of the diet, and before you know, before even conceiving, I've, I've been doing the diet, uh, all the greens as much as I can, and cooking them for an hour, even so they become so small. A whole packet of spinach gets like to like two big spoons of. But it's still, you know, I, I I did some research and I listened to your YouTube and the whole debate about cooked vegetables, and that makes sense. So I've been doing that. And I wasn't was going to ask your, you and, about your bo-
4: and your body can also tell you how different that is, right?
8: Yes, yes.
4: Yes?
8: Yeah. Yes, it does. It does. And also, you know, I want to thank you. Like, you kind of changed my mind about meat when I went to your workshop uh, last year in June. And you really made me think and shift. And I feel like... As I accepted meat into my body, I used to be a sort of like a vegan, vegetarian, vegan for a few years, for like three or four years, and uh, you know, you made me think differently about it. and Something shifted, And so. I cried a lot, and it was very hard to to see differently. But somehow you got through me, and and I feel like once I accepted it, I felt actually it like first of all, it felt like I thought I would feel really guilty eating it, but I felt it was very nourishing to eat a little bit of meat, and I've been, you know, very conscious of how I eat it. And the other thing interesting happened is I accept meat, I accept my own body more. I realize uh-huh, that the yeah. more, uh-huh. and it's, you know, uh-huh. and you have to accept your body to get pregnant. So I feel like all this, and with your help, and, you know, God, God's help, like, this whole thing started really work, and, it, and it's interesting how it's all, I don't know, happened this way. I just want to tell you thank you for that time. It was a year ago. You probably don't remember because you see so many people. But for me, it made it made a difference, such a big shift. And now I'm trying to change my sister, who because of me, changed not to eat meat. So I'm trying to tell her to eat a little bit and why it is important and how it, you know, it seems, I thought I feel so guilty, but it actually feels nourishing to eat a little bit of meat and I'm going to continue doing so. And, you know, I say my prayer and I'm grateful of the animal's life, and well, other you know, one of, the, one the,
4: of the things I say to people is if you're not going to eat any meat at all, then you can't eat organic food.
8: Yeah, because of the, I know, the. Because the it's the most animal in your life. Yes, exactly. That's actually right. a good point. I'm going to tell her that. Yeah, I know so you that, a lot of
4: You know, food. that's what I say to people. I say, okay, you don't want any animal in your body? Fine, no organic food for you.
8: Right? That's actually a good right. point.
4: Yeah. And <laughs> we accept one, the, one, form but one other of the one things another. that has really changed in the United States is that there was a period where family farms were going at a business so fast we could hardly count it. And mm-hmm. once enough people of good heart started eating meat, the family farms came back strong because the animal is the heart of the family farm.
8: Yes, yes, that's exactly what I do. I try to buy it from a like family farm organic. You know, I right. have to do more research. Yeah, yeah, yes. because you know. One last question. Um, for raspberry leaf, I can start drinking it now. I'm today. sorry. I, the
4: raspberry. You know, it's, leaf. it's completely up to you. I am about raspberry leaf. I don't really think it's very important.
8: But it's in your book, the Childbirth. I the know, it's ch- book.
4: I don't think it's important. Okay. That book was written 35 years ago, wasn't it?
8: <laughs> probably yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Because
4: chicken okay. on the coverage is thirtieth anniversary edition and that was some years ago.
8: Wow. So you want I to drink some
4: to raspberry leaf, me. that's fine. You don't want to drink raspberry leaf, that's fine. I'll mm-hmm. tell you every time I was pregnant and I tried to get anywhere near raspberry leaf, it was like that.
2: Oh, yeah,
8: it doesn't <laughs> say I tried once, I didn't
4: <laughs> And I said, yeah. All right, I'm not drinking it because my body doesn't want it. There's And there's not much information in that very first book about the Nourishing Herbal Infusions, which over the past 35 years, I have come more and more to understand how important they are for everybody.
8: Yes, yes. I can see it in my own life. And I've been, you know, promoting it yes. to my mom, to my sisters, to my grandma, to everybody like that I can but see me doing it and I really believe in them as well because it's actually yeah. I don't know like I said it's helped I think they helped me to conceive and last last question is about the like I know you know there's a big chance to miscarry and first of all because of my age and second because it's the first three months is there anything I can do except you know staying calm relaxed and eating well To like is there any herb I can use or
4: I don't a- have any history. this is my A-approx- first time approximate, approximately 20 to 30% of all pregnancies end in miscarriage in the first three months.
2: Yeah. Why would that be
4: so? Why would your body decide to miscarry? Your body would decide to miscarry because at that point it says, Oh, this is not good enough for us to put our resources into. Let's try again.
8: All right. It's not Seriously,
4: a It's not a failure, it's not that you haven't done something right, it's that your body has made a decision that this conception isn't good enough for whatever reason, because it's not just you. I'm going to assume that your husband is the same age.
8: He's older, he's 40.
4: He's older? Well, you know what? His genetic material is dangling out there his legs, and it's in far worse shape than your genetic material is, and he's contributed half. And so somewhere in that first three months, if your body says, eh, "I'm sorry, you know, this just isn't good enough," then it's okay. Try again. Try. Right.
8: Yeah, no problem. I tried for two and a
4: half years. At least once I you've pregnant. It. Once you've gotten pregnant, believe me, you'll be able to get pregnant again easily.
8: Okay. okay, I trust you. All right. All right.
4: Thank Please you, thank you, you so you. much. Thank
8: you, Brenda. Bye.
5: Good night. Good night. Good night. The next caller is coming from a private phone number.
0: Hi, Susan. Thank you for taking Hi. the call. And thank you so much. I waited till the end here because I don't want to be greedy. But thank you for catalyzing my um, interest in Hildegard because she's amazing. You told me that last week. I wanted to ask you a quick question about. um, I I asked you about my dogs last week, which they're much better. Thank you. Um, But i didn 't ask you about myself, which is a problem I need to have beso- i need to have solved besides the fact that i don 't speak clearly as you 've pointed out and Thank you so much for that um, Susan. I keep waking up with a sort of like an itch behind my hairline and and sometimes in between my breasts, and I feel like I, and i do I do drink daily religiously my herbal infusions. And I just wondered if you had any any take on that. And I wondered if it was related to my animals being itchy, which they're actually not anymore. You know,
4: itch is a big question mark. We don't really understand what makes us itch, and we do not understand people's differing reactions to that. If I'm in Costa Rica and I'm bitten, by sand fleas, I'm going to itch myself in my sleep to the point where I bleed.
0: Me too. Me too. I do that too. And there
4: are other people I've seen with just as many bites, and they don't itch them at all. And I say, doesn't it itch? And they say, yeah, but I don't have to itch it. Well, I don't, have, I don't have a choice.
0: No, I, I'll do it unconsciously just like that, and I'll i will rip okay. it to shreds.
2: Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So. <laughs> okay.
4: We don't, we don't understand that we don't understand why some people are more sensitive. I mean that we are not you know even on the far end of that scale. there are people who are who have actually itched their scalp until they broke through their skull to their brain.
0: Oh my God, oh my god <laughs>
4: so we're we're kind of like a midline here with each. <laughs> The remedies that okay. you use for the dogs should help you, like plantain oil.
0: Uh huh. Okay.
4: Okay.
0: Okay, I'll are just do that. Or as
4: Juliette Barry Levy once said when asked, Why don't you write an herbal for people? She looked rather dumbfounded and she said, Well, everything I say about the animals can be used for people.
0: <laughs> well, it's funny. You know, I buy their food first because I make them real food. And if I get hungry or broke, I just eat their food because it's good and it's organic and it's meat and it's fine. (laughs) Exactly. uh, I just, I really, more than anything, just quickly wanted to say thank you so much uh, just for catalyzing everything I learned. And actually, I do have one more question. Susan, I don't know why lately, uh, besides this itch, I just feel, I don't know, just odd in this season change. Um, I'm wondering, I I have this, like, urge to have a different – Like, more herbal infusion. Like, I almost feel like at night I want to make double. Is that odd?
4: No, it's not a problem at all. How old are you right now, if you don't mind my answer? 62. 62. Yep. Yeah, I think that's very reasonable.
0: I just want want more. Like, I'm mad that it's ended, you know? I finished the jug and I'm just like, yeah, I want another one. (laughs) Good. That's
4: fine. Okay. No problem. Okay. Okay. Thank you
0: so much and green blessings to you. Green blessings to you too. Good night. Good night.
5: Good night. The next caller is coming from the 919 area code. Hello. Hi.
2: Hi. Um, this seems to be the night of Mullen. All right. Which is a Mullen party. Uh-huh. I'm actually dr- drinking a cup right now with milk and honey and cinnamon. It's delicious.
4: Yay, Mullen.
2: Um, Besides it tasting delicious and the benefits for your lungs, I was just curious what else Mullen was good for. Because I drink it sometimes when I don't even have lung congestion or a cough or a cold. You know,
4: We've all played the game called telephone, where there's a group of people, and you sit in a circle, and somebody whispers something to one person, and that person then whispers it to the next, and it goes around the circle. And, of course, by the time it gets to the last person, it's quite distorted, isn't it?
2: Yes, it is. I've been listening the whole time, too, and it's so funny. I was going to call in tonight and ask about Mullen, and that right you know everybody's so, been talking so, about it. <laughs> right, so... I
4: think something similar to that happens as our cells reproduce. So we are making new lung cells, right? Yes. And how does that new lung cell know how to be a lung cell? Well, it gets told, piss, 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 piss. this is how you do it. And I think that eventually the original message gets distorted. This is kind of an imaginative way to put it. But to me there are certain plants that contain the original message. And mullen contains the original message for lung cell production. Okay. So that when we are drinking mullen, that mullen goes to the lungs and says, Everybody listen up. This is what this is what the message is. And People notice, it's hard not to notice, that Mullen likes to grow by roads. One of the biggest patches of Mullen I ever saw was at Fintorn, which was growing on an old war airstrip. And so to me, this desire of Mullen to grow. At edges and edges where the air quality will be disturbed also tells me that Mullen functions as part of the lungs of the earth. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just the original message to human lung tissue that Mullen brings into our bodies, but it's a deeper message of planetary breathing. We talk about feeling our energy at one with the earth. We talk about having our heartbeat be at one with the earth. But breathing is part of being at one with the earth. In fact, it's the least imaginative way to be at one with the earth because we are literally, not figuratively, but literally exchanging atoms with plants when we breathe.
2: It's really cool.
4: Yeah. So I think Mullen expands and magnifies that entire process. Cheers to Mullen. Oh, to know.
2: Yeah, <laughs> cheers. I'm drinking my cup right now. <laughs> All right.
4: Thank you. Green blessings. Good night. Green
2: blessings. Good night.
4: Okay, ten minutes until we talk to Shona
5: yes and this is the last caller with their hand raised at this time so and the next call is coming from the nine
4: people that if you have a question and you're wondering why we haven't called on you you have to press one
5: yes and this caller is coming from the 903 area code good evening hi
6: hi good to talk to you again um I'm kind of on the Mullen bandwagon here tonight um, also i <laughs> well i i was I wanted to call and tell you thank you for everything um, the infusions that I started since working with you last August um, have really made a difference. I know you hear that a lot, but kind of like some of the other people have been saying that they they call to you when, when you need them. Like you, I can start to tell now when I need to do one versus another, you know, in my rotation. Like my rotation doesn't stay exactly the same every week. It changes based on my body will literally say, no, I want this one this time. Um, yes. And, and I've got my young daughter who loves them as well and so she's she's doing them and she'll share what she's feeling and she'll say yeah I want more of that one mommy or no let's do that one you know and she knows them the 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 main ones um you also had had me add astragalus um because uh my husband had some some issues and i found that I tried it as well, and I really, really liked it because we've been doing some traveling and whatever, and, and so I really just loved it, and so recently, we had been with some people and gotten sick, and I was like, no, I need to get some astragalus, and between the nettle and the astragalus, our colds were gone, I mean, just the quickest I think I've ever gone through a cold, and not just gone through the cold and, oh, okay, it's over and I'm all right, you know, but felt good like wow I came through this and I feel even better on the other side um taking the the nourishing infusions and using them in this intuitive way so I'm super thankful for that so then comes to mullen and my husband because he had an injury and he has some lung issues um I gave him mullen I just I was like he's going through this cold thing and it's really hitting him hard with his lungs and the coughing and whatever I gave him the mullein, and I tell you three doses of the mullein, and boom, it was gone, gone, and and his is usually more difficult. So I i am really, really thankful for the mullein, like, just thank you so much
4: for that. Thanks, Mama Mullen, for growing on our roadsides, being so beautiful and so accessible to us. Yeah,
6: exactly, exactly. Um my My question tonight is, um, we had talked briefly uh, two calls ago about story medicine, and that's one of yeah. your seven medicines, and yeah. I feel like I need help figuring out um story medicine like i I, I get all the other things intellectually and but when it comes to the way I have been, I get stuck in those stories. And the story that you shared with me about the, the dog bite, really, I've just been really letting that sink in. And I realized I have that a lot in my life. Every time I try to go and change the story, I kind of like fall off a cliff. So could you give me a little something to grab a hold of to go in that direction of being able to create new stories.
4: I'm not sure what you mean by falling off a cliff. (laughs) I I
6: try to make a new story and I like walk off a cliff and there's nothing there. There's, there's nothing, nothing comes to me. And I'm a writer. So it's odd to me that I can't recreate my stories.
4: Could you give me an example? Are you willing Um, to give an example? (laughs) <laughs> it, um, yes,
6: yes, 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 I am um, I, I I realized it more the other night when I was talking to my brother And we were discussing being shamed by our mother And um, when she shames, it's always this, you don't see it at first And then all of a sudden, boom, you're like, oh crap, I feel really bad And she just shamed me She just put me down. Um, I thought I was doing this great thing that I was sharing with her, and it's not good enough to her. And so now I don't feel so, um, you know, I don't feel like a success. I feel like it's still not good enough. I still haven't achieved something that I should have because of my mother's perspective. And so I'm like, no, we need to change our story. Our story and our version of how we look at ourselves, we can't allow that to be there. And this is just an example. Um, But I couldn't come come up with
4: anything. Let's listen to what you just said. Okay. Rather than saying, I would like a new way to see this, you have already set up all kinds of gates and detours. Okay. So the essence of finding that new story is to let everything be open. Okay. And one of the first ways to do that is to stop resisting. Okay. Suppose you will never be good enough for your mother.
1: That's pretty much it. Yeah.
4: Is that workable? Yes. Is that a story? Is that a story you can go with? I am not good enough for my mother. Right. Yes. Okay. Now you don't. Now you don't have to try to be. <laughs> there it is. Okay.
2: You're not good enough. Hooray!
4: You're not good enough. Okay. Done deal. Whatever you do, it's not going to be good enough. Uh, there was this one memorable meal served by an apprentice and she came out and she says here is the not good enough rice, and this is the not good enough beans this is the not good enough salad and she went right through everything she had made and she identified it as not good enough and so she didn't have any worries if anybody was disappointed because she already knew it wasn't good enough right right what freedom. Okay. What okay. incredible freedom to say, oh, gosh, mom, it's not good enough. Wow, thank you. Okay. Because of course we want to please our parents. Of course we want to. They helped us survive when we couldn't survive on our own, yet we also don't want to please our parents, do we? No. Part of us wants to say, nah, 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 nah I'll do it my way.
6: Right. Yes, I was particularly yeah. of that ilk.
4: And and that's that's what it is to be a human being. To be a human being, we have to hold those two contrary things at the same time. And love both parts of ourselves. We have to love the part of ourselves that says, oh, I would do anything to please my mother. And we have to love the part of ourselves that says, nah, 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 can't make me. Right. So when you do something that you think is great, who's doing it? Is it the part that mm. really wants to please her? Or is it the part that's going, nah, 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 you won't like it? Mm. This. Both fine. We don't have to get rid of either one of them, but being a little more aware can help us kind of see what's going on. And again, we go back to where we started. Maybe she's right.
2: Uh-huh.
4: Maybe you say, "Oh, I'm doing this great thing for her," when really it's a kind of heh, 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 gotcha, right? And she's and she's your mom. She sees through it.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: and she's calling you on it, and you don't like it. So you can love your mom and, and not want to please her. It's all right. Okay. Okay? Because okay. loving her and connecting with her is enormous pleasure, isn't it?
6: <sighs> um, better now than it was. I. I mean... It's, it's, it's been a, a very, it's very... A play, rough
4: it's a pleasure for her. She may never tell you that, but you know it is.
6: Yes, that is true. Yes, that is true.
4: Of course it is, whether she says so or not. It means yeah. the world to her that you interact yeah. with her and that you're part of her life. Yes. Yes. That's for sure. Yes. yes. You know, I've always been fascinated by the evil eye cultures. And evil eye cultures, I first met um, in Arabic countries. And I said, why, are the, why is, is this door painted blue and why is the you know grout between the stones painted blue? They said, oh, that's to keep the evil eye away. And I said, what's the evil eye? They said, oh, the evil eye is looking out for anybody who makes a compliment and they will take that away. So in evil eye cultures, and depending on the culture, it can get quite extreme You're simply not allowed to ever express anything that's complimentary. You would, it it would be vicious to say what a beautiful baby because you're calling down the evil eye. Mm. Instead you say, gee, your baby's kind of ugly. And it's understood in those cultures that you are staving off the evil eye by doing that. We all know couples who kind of get into this, right? It seems like they're Mm -hmm. always insulting each other, and yet it's pretty obvious they love each other. Right. So be aware sometimes when it seems like somebody is saying that's not good enough or I don't like it, that there might be a little bit, of I don't want to compliment you because I don't want the evil lie to get you.
6: Okay. That's an interesting perspective.
2: Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And,
4: oh, my goodness, I see that I am one minute late in introducing Shona, so I'm going to say goodbye and green blessings to you and tell everybody that Shona Hum is a shamanic therapist, a teacher, an author, and a poet. Her specialized private sessions and retreats assist clients to break chronic self-defeating patterns and move into empowered personal sovereignty. Ohm is an international public speaker on the subject of visionary shamanic spirit medicine. She's a voice for the stewardship of the
7: honeybees
4: and an expert on traditional foods. Among her many books are Ishel Wisdom: Seven Teachings from the Mayan Sacred Feminine, Love and Spirit Medicine, Poetic Whispering, I'm sorry, Poetic Whispers from the Green Realms and Honey Bee Wisdom, A
0: Modern Melissa Speaks. Welcome to the show, Shona. Oh,
9: thank you, Susan. It's so, so nice to be here with you.
4: We're well, so honored that you've come to spend time with us tonight. You know, I know exactly what you mean by a modern Melissa, but not everybody does. Can you explain
9: that? Well, Melissa is the Greek word for honeybee, and the Delphic oracles, the oracles of Delphi, were at one time uh, known as Melissas. It was a, a almost like an, a term of endearment for oracles. But it means honeybee, and so and so. Uh, I think of myself as uh, at times of, as a kind of modern Melissa or priestess of the honeybees. So so yeah.
4: Okay, fantastic. Now you know the honeybee. It's a kind of an odd thing, because the honeybee doesn't belong in North America.
9: No, I know. Yeah, they're 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 from Europe, originally. They're from Europe. They're an
2: invasive species.
9: Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> that's one invasive species. I'm very. I will welcome with open arms. <laughs> well, I, I, I,
4: I will right. tell you. I will tell you as I have been telling people for the past fifteen years. As there are fewer European honeybees, what happens is the native American bees come back really strong, and they're much better pollinators. Uh,
9: you know that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Mm. They they
4: cannot be.
9: What's the word
4: we want to say? You know, wild honeybees. They're wild.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: mm-hmm. Honeybees. Yes. Kind of honeybees. Talking about. Are really trucked around, domesticated. You know what we've got is one or two farms that grow all the almonds for everybody. Yes. And mm-hmm. when all those mm-hmm. almond trees bloom, there's no hive of honeybees that can deal with it. So we have to truck a thousand hives of honeybees from
9: Michigan to California.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's yes. not good for the honeybees.
9: No, it's draconian, but it's like factory farming for honeybees. Right. Yeah.
6: So when people say if the
9: honeybees disappear, our food supply will disappear, I
4: say Uh, Balderdash. Plenty of food. There was plenty of food, and you, as a wild food expert, know that there was plenty of
9: food without any European honeybees at all. Yes, yes. And I would say, however – with all the spraying of, of these chemical pesticides, that those are wiping out not just the honeybees, but they're doing really grave damage to the native bee, bees as well, and all pollinators. So that's something all, to think
4: all about All pollinators, well. absolutely. We don't think that it's the thing so much that's getting the domestic honeybee as the Endemic chemicals. In other words, a chemical that is coated onto the seed so that that chemical is now expressed in every single part of the plant, including the pollen.
9: Right, those are neonicotinoids. They're just and there are a lot of places in Europe
4: that simply have banned them because the honeybee is wild in Europe. It belongs in Europe. Mm. And they, don't, mm-hmm. they really don't mm-hmm. want to kill off their honeybees. We don't want to either. And it's no. It's, interestingly enough, it's one of the reasons that I moved to using red clover rather than alfalfa. Most of my early teachers hadn't even heard of red clover; they used alfalfa. Huh? And alfalfa was one of the first seeds that was treated this way. Was the mm. seed being coated in herbicides and pesticides?
7: Wow! Wow!
4: And I said, how can I possibly use that as an herbal medicine? Right. Whereas red clover grows wild, so I feel safe with that. You know, I I think that it is so important that we honor the pollinators. Thank you for being a Melissa, whether you're an old Melissa or a new Melissa. It is so (laughs) important. You also write poetry, yes? Yes,
9: I do. I do. Yeah. And and it's very inspired.
4: At some Mm -hmm. point in our conversation, I would love to hear one of your poems if that's at all possible.
9: Oh, certainly. Thank you, Susan. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll I'll just speak a little bit about that. I, I've never been a poet. (laughs) And almost eight years ago, I, I, I started exploring, with the mushroom, with the psilocybin mushroom, very in a very respectful way, uh, I would go out into the forest at night, and I would, I would take that what I call it medicine, and 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 it took me into these beautiful realms, and I had very cumulative experiences through that, and I write I write all about that in my book Love and Spirit Medicine, which chronicles my first year of mushroom journeys, but what I noticed was happening beyond that was i was I was receiving poetic downloads and and so and and it would come in perfect poetry, perfect rhyming, no editing necessary, so that would happen when I was the influence of the mushroom, but then beyond and then I went to Scotland three years ago with Freddie Silva, who's one of the world's leading experts on crop circles and sacred sites. And it was just him and six people. And we went to the outer Hebrides of Scotland, which was just calling me. It felt like a pilgrimage because I'm mostly Scottish and Irish. And, and I just, those stone circles did something to me and I, I was pouring forth poetry after that. And, and so so yeah, and, and so I realized that the, I call them the beings or the spirits that I've connected to are they feel uh, Celtic, if you will, in nature and they speak poetically and, and yeah, the messages are just just beautiful, just beautiful. Yeah, I'm just looking up uh, I'm looking up something right now. I mean I, I could read a message that came in called ancestral kin if you would like to hear that. I would. Okay. All right. So, again, this happened after Scotland, and and these poems would come in as I was waking up in the morning. So I I had to start sleeping with a digital recorder next to me, and then as it would come in, (laughs) I would just speak into the recorder until it was done. And so this I, I just love, but I call this Ancestral Kin I feel a soft light pressed in close, insisting that I hereby know that I am flanked by kindred's wise. They're here to help me realize that this has been my mind's creation. This radio must change the station. This one must be ready for, for most don't even know this door even exists, yet it remains accessible on earthly planes. This door can take lifetimes to find So hidden is it in the mind For everything is metaphor The holy grail, a symbol for A deep-held secret portal door It takes wings to find this door A bird's eye view to see the floor And the skies above your head Most don't see until they're dead Dying while you're Still awake, man's limited offerings you'll forsake. You've called in winged ones of light for restoration of your sight. We've placed among you many friends on this sojourn. They help you tend to matters of a deeper nature. Their encouragement ensures that you'll stay long enough to win the treasure hidden deep within. This a place where you can meet Folk whose essence is most now this door found within the mind. Is it not said you greet your kind through a meeting of the minds? Cultivate that fertile soil inner garden where you soil you are in a unique season where earth's people have lost reason bring your bounty to the table share your gifts now to enable others to act and to see and to act you must now engage with tact they cast spells laid out for fools in higher mind you hold the tools Hold to mind the winged one's view that takes you out of sorcerer's stew. Rigorous practice happens now. Harness your thoughts and train them how to rest in silent quietude so you can supersede that mood and open within the temple doors that are found on higher floors. Nature helps you find this place through the beauty of her face you're inspired deep within, it's there you'll find ancestral kin. Ancestors were worshipped by people of old, who knew the power that they hold would help them as they walked life past. It's not before they ignored the map. Your bloodline traces back to we, the shining ones you call the she, who sat with you beneath the trees when once your good people could see you've called us from the greenery you've asked us help my people see and so like you we've made a vow that read return and teach you how to call the magic back again to this beleaguered earthly plain. and so for you steps carefully laid will lead away from this charade onto a place where sanity's found Then potent wisdom you can ground, and with the minds of many folk, the ancient magic you'll invoke, the flames beneath that cauldron stoke, the brewing magic that will poke a hole in bubbles that are false. We will ensure Earth finds her pulse. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes, and so they
4: speak very much. Oh, sorry? You definitely have to go to sleep with your tape recorder at hand.
9: Yes, yes. (laughs) Yes. But the uh, messages really have been emphasizing the power of our mind, that the Holy Grail is within the mind, and that the mind is a kind of magic wand, if you will. Uh, So it's that that just incredible power of how we think and then on top of that how we speak and and so yeah this has been a profound gift from years of very reverent uh respectful work with the mushroom i've I've been gifted with these beautiful wisdom beings
4: yes sometimes an apprentice will say to me oh you're so picky about words that i go "Uh uh-huh i am and there's a reason.
1: Uh, yes. <laughs> there's mm-hmm. okay, there's more
4: than one, but I'll just tell you there's a reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah.
2: You're yeah, absolutely, absolutely right. right.
4: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's that, that's part of what the Melissas know is that to speak the word is very big magic,
9: very very that's big right. magic. And exactly, and that's why there's that that old saying it's it's really more of a statement my word is my bond and a bond is a promise so every time you speak i explain to people when you say that you're making a declaration so be careful what you're declaring you know so people who you know just start berating themselves you don't realize you're speaking that out into a magnetic field and then the field abides so people wonder why the same thing happens over and over, you know. It really does begin that change within, and it begins with the, with the mind. Very powerful, very powerful one that we've not been taught how to use. So, in fact, the being, the mushroom being said to me once, there is a user's manual for that mind-body complex you are in. You've not been given it, but some of you are going to figure it out. Of course, that's wow. all. They just give me a little clue, yeah, and then that piques my curiosity, and I start, ah. I start digging. <laughs> yeah. This is Susan Weed, and I'm speaking
4: with Shona Home. You can find her at www. com. Shonagh. H-O-M-E dot com. Let's see. Do you want to talk to us about the chapter that you contributed to Psychedelic Mysteries? Of
9: course, yes. Uh, Well, I'll say quickly, last year in May, the author and researcher, Michael Pollan, wrote a book called How to Change Your Mind, and it was all about the power of psychedelics and and the science behind them and, and, and how efficacious they are for assisting people with anxiety and depression and PTSD and this kind of thing. So he launched quite a curveball out into the mainstream because he's a very well-respected mainstream author. Well, this coming April, it's the ladies' turn. And uh, I was asked a couple of years ago by editors in London to contribute a chapter to this book that will be published by Park Street Press titled, Psychedelic Mysteries of the Feminine, Creativity, Ecstasy, and Healing, and you can go pre-order that on Amazon. And so my chapter was on the modern medicine woman, because that is what I consider myself to be, just as you are a medicine woman, Susan. And so yeah, so so, and I I, I think of the medicine woman, you know, I really I think of her as a kind of emissary for Mother Nature. I do. I think that the modern medicine woman is here to hold certain wisdom traditions that were all but abandoned over the course of the 20th century, when everyone was scrambling for, you know, convenience, and uh, a lot, a lot was kind of left in the wayside. And, and now, I, I find that it is that very wisdom the medicine woman held that we need most today. And so that would be knowledge of herbs, um, midwifery, uh, one one who knows how to work with the uh, psychoactive mushrooms and and plants. Uh, uh, Also the wisdom, the wise woman. I mean, yes, we have psychotherapists and psychiatrists and whatnot, but they don't, they don't, go to the spiritual unless you're lucky and you know you get someone who's pretty awakened but i i work i've worked with a number of psychotherapists who've come for my retreats and they tell me oh we <laughs> there's no discussing anything spiritual in our line of work and uh it's very clinical and it's a lot of labeling and and so in any case so so this is also what is needed is that that uh that perspective from the med- that the medicine woman brings and also that incredible nurturing and and warmth and i just see uh, numerous women being called to uh, different areas of energy medicine or sound healing that kind of thing and and i think these these tra- these are traditional ways are coming back to the fore because we're in a very commercial society it's very superficial and and it's all about you know selling you something and and uh and and so you know sickness becomes big business because then you know they can sell the you know this and this for it you know and 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 so we're we, we are really i think in dire need and that's evidenced by how many people are sick and seeking we're in dire need of of that traditional wisdom and it was the women who really We're keepers of that wisdom.
4: To me, what you're talking about is the difference between being treated for your problem and being seen as a whole unique being who can be nourished to be greater. Mm. That usually curing our problem limits us in some way spiritually mm-hmm. psychically, physically and if we can you are so beautifully saying if we can find that door and change the story of what's going on, real miracles can happen and Absolutely. that's the realm that's the realm, of, that's the realm of the medicine woman the medicine woman mm-hmm. like the midwife stands at the door between ordinary reality and miraculous reality
9: Mm. yes gosh that's beautiful yeah that is that is so true yeah and so this is uh i i see that we 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 very much need this you know it's interesting when you were uh talking about if we if we cure it outright we miss something i i remember being in crisis once and a very wise friend of mine said shauna do you see the ISIS in crisis? And I was like, oh, my God,
2: ISIS being <laughs> on the earth.
9: <laughs> so I love that play with words. And, and so, yeah, that these, these – challenges become our greatest teachers because they will lead us into areas of exploration that we would not have gone in if everything were honky dory you know i mean they really call us to seek deeper and and go deeper within ourselves as as well absolutely
4: If we have access to that medicine woman who tells us that's an okay thing to do instead of the ordinary reality which is oh, you're
2: sick, you have to get
9: better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. Well, that's uh, the, the beauty of technology, I must say, and the beauty of podcasts. It's really the great equalizer because, gosh, Susan, I mean, when you and I were younger, all we had was the, the television or the television uh, and with its mainstream programs and media, and, and that was it. And and if you were lucky enough to get out there somehow and, and be seen. Great. But nowadays, this is so amazing what the podcasts are, are making possible because, you know, you, you can listen to really fascinating people and real people. And, and, and so it's a wonderful, I think, platform also for the medicine woman because we are able to get our word out there so people can find us and, and we can find each other really quite something it's the light that's the light side of technology
4: (laughs) which is part of our lives now like it or not (laughs) so that's That's the modern medicine woman the modern modern medicine woman is available virtually as well
9: Mm -hmm. precisely that's exactly right (laughs) and and i think she is her 40s very old traditional or, or she's that into this modern world extraordinary crazy piles that people know. So in <laughs> fact I, I think hmm? what were you
4: we going to say Sue? I was going to say suppose there's a woman listening who says I'm a medicine woman or I want to be a medicine woman what would you tell her? What advice would you give
9: her? would say then if you're if you're called this is your crew knowledge ever area you're being called to soak up as much knowledge as you can and find a good mentor or mentor who are is that you are called to learn and express. And then I will also say teachers, two of my
2: just
9: teachers said when you Shauna, just impeccable. This is impeccability. Impec-
4: cost- impeccability this- is the word to be impeccable. To know yes. that every every word you say is your honor bound.
9: Yes. And, and all, yes, yeah, if people are coming to you. They are. Often suffering and, and the vulnerable, you know, and so it's a lot of sensibility as well. You know, not only deliver the good wisdom you have, but if you feel like you know, my league here. By all means, that someone else you think is you know really better qualified to care of them. It's an important aspect as well that we limits. And uh, we can't help every, And uh, so, so with that impactability.
2: Yes,
4: when, when women say, you know, I want power, I say, well, the other side of the coin of power is responsibility. First, I want you to be responsible for everything you say and everything you do. Now, for most people, those, that's easy to say, but that is a lot of work. I say, and then when you get that, when you're responsible for everything you say and everything you do, then you can start taking on being responsible for things that other people say and do.
7: Mm-hmm.
4: And people look at me like, what? And I say, remember when the space shuttle blew up and the person who was responsible was the head of NASA? the more power you have, the more responsible you are going to be for what other people do and say.
9: Yeah, that's right. It reminds me of something else I tell my clients is that you can forgive yourself for earlier mistakes with with the understanding of you don't know until you know. You were in a different mindset back then. But once you know, once you have knowledge – then that's it. There's, you don't get you no longer get to make excuses for your failures or whatever. Once you know there's responsibility with that knowledge and you are held to a higher ideal, just like the initiates of old were, of course.
4: That's what you're asking for. You're asking for that power and that's where it comes from. Oh shona you are so So rich and so wonderful and so delicious. I really enjoy talking to you so much. And it's hard for me to believe that we've come almost to the last minute of the show, which I always give to my guest. What do you want to leave in the hearts and the minds of everyone listening to you?
9: That magic is real and it lives inside of you and the Holy Grail is inside your mind. And... Let go of everything that you've been told and start opening yourself up to the deeper truth of what you you carry.
2: Your
4: deep truth lives within you. It is a holy grail. Hmm. And we can open ourselves up to that. Is that what you're telling us?
9: Yes. Oh, absolutely. It's in each and every one of us.
4: Wow. That is so precious. Thank you so much for helping me reweave the healing cloak of the ancients. And, again, find her at www.shonagh. H O M E dot com, Ashonahome dot com. Rebecca, thanks for helping me restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. Green blessings to you. Lots of love to you, Justine and Monica Jean. They went surfing this morning down in Costa Rica. Oh, those lucky girls. And green blessings to everybody. I'll be back with you next week. Good night.
5: Good night, everyone. Thank you.
9: Good night. Thank you.